0: Space. I am a great fan of sleeping, and always have been. In fact, I overslept at my birth. I came out two weeks late, in October 1957. Had I been on time, I would have met Sputnik, on the calendar at least. As it was, I still think I'm a space-aged child, and far better than that, a space-aged adult. My earliest memories of things spacey are television-orientated and also somewhat confused. People say that everyone can remember where they were when Kennedy was shot and when the moon landing happened. Well, I don't remember much very clearly, but from Apollo 4 onwards, I knew I was hooked. I do remember the Kennedy event because it was the first broadcast of Doctor Who. What I actually remember of the day itself was a joke my mother made, that my socks were flying at half-mast, like the flag on Ealing Film Studios, near where we lived from the early 1960s onwards. The good doctor himself was probably encouraged to go on the telly by all the public interest shown up by the viewing figures of the various rocketry happenings that were going on at the time, for the very first time. TV was still quite new, and most people had to watch great news events in groups huddled round shop windows. I never did that. My daddy worked in TV, so we had one. It could be called half a TV because, I was told, it couldn't pick up the other channel. Daddy was a BBC man. He got the job when the BBC needed new people to fill in the staffing gaps at the BBC, left by trained staff starting up the independent TV service. A tad ironic, that. Getting a job because of ITV, then snubbing the hand that forced the other to feed you. But ITV had adverts, so snubbing was too good for them. Doctor Who didn't go in for the gaps that we call space much. He popped between places that could be shown on a studio set. None of that tedious mucking about in orbit for him. The real world, though, had gravity to cope with, much as it does today, in fact. The laws of physics back then may not have been as well known as they are now, but big parts of it, like how fast you have to travel before you can leave the planet, haven't changed. Nor is the part that describes how hot you get when you try to come back. The upshot is that all spaceships are, or were until quite recently, tall, pointy and return much smaller than they started out, bits having been dropped off along the way as they were emptied of the stuff that made the whole thing go. I first saw a spaceship on the cover of the first book I read by personal choice, Escape from Planet Earth. I think that's what it's called. I can't find any reference to it online though. Presumably, it was published quite a long time before I read it in the school library, well, bookshelf, in 1962 or thereabouts. The book had long since lost its jacket cover, and the red, rough, under-jacket hardback had faded in the sun, but the black-embossed line-drawing of space men, I assumed, and their pointed ship, standing proudly on its fins, stays with me, even if none of the internal words of the book do. When it came to seeing a real rocket on the TV, there was not a pointy fin to be seen. There were some fluty things at the bottom, and it was a great deal taller than the one on the book. But a spaceship it was. But it was called a rocket. I wondered why. I found out when it took off. The school. School's massive TV was one of those that only schools could have. It was wheeled around between the classes like a potentate in a sedan chair, and rightly too. I could clearly see the rocket, as I then knew to call it, steaming on the monochrome wonder of the 625-line transmission live from a place called America. All the class of my infant school shouted the countdown from 20, some proving they could count backwards, and off it went. Apollo 4, I think it must have been. Looking at videos of it now, I can see why I've had dreams of it failing. It took off so very slowly, walking speed for ages. Then it became the fastest thing ever made by humans, but my dreams had Saturn 5s either falling over or chasing me. These were not nightmares, they just made me very sad that the rocket had failed. None ever did though, at least not on the launch pad. Watching Apollo launches was very much the highlight of my school life. One other part of my early educational existence that made a mark was a box that I created with lights in it that shone behind a star map which i drilled holes through where the stars were and a slowly rotating coloured disc where a patch of resin had gone wrong and shone white in an accidental cloudy blotch. Mr Pavey directed me in making it. I don't think he had a DBS, but I don't think it mattered those days. Mr Ridley, the headmaster, showed it to the entire school. Quite an honour, come to think of it. Hmm, maybe the school wasn't that bad after all. I can write loads about that. Why I remember so much is itself confusing. Apollo 5 was good, but not that good. It didn't have the massive first stage. Saturn 1B rockets, I think. It took off from a sort of gantry. Apollo 6 and 7 were full-size Saturn 5s. Apollo 6, I read, was overshadowed by another event that day, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. 7 was again a 1B, but had people in it, not that I remember specifically. Apollo 8, I do remember, the shape of its path, all the way to the moon, describing a figure 8 with the Earth at one end and the moon at the other. I think 9 was another 1B as it just tested the LEM in Earth orbit. Incredibly important, but disappointingly unimpressive for a youth such as me. I wanted more, and I got it with Apollo 10, which was very odd. It went all the way to the moon and even took the LEM down to 19 miles above the surface, but it didn't land. Apollo 11, 50 years ago today as I type. An incredible thing to watch. And I did. Even that late at night. I don't, however, remember very much. All that was 50 years ago. After Apollo 17, I was shocked to learn the moon shots up to 21 had been binned. That actually meant that I got to see a Saturn V in person, but it was on its side, not on a launch pad. My memory of the coverage of numbers 11 to 17 is confused and all mixed up, but number 13 stands out quite well. What a surprise. 14 does too, as I actually have a recording I made at the time, or I think I have. Uh There's the confusion again. I'm sure, though, that everything I thought was coming, all the space stations, moon bases and Mars missions that I had on the poster by the side of my bed, had mostly not happened even now. Fifty years is a long time to wait. It's only because there's a new player in the game now, well, several really, that things are literally taking off once more. I do remember all the other things that did get done, And they were all brilliant, but there could and maybe should have been much more going on in the last half a century and getting done. But oddly, I think there is an upside to this downer. I think the American public's loss of interest and the subsequent removal of funding may have helped society adapt to the technological changes that we're wading through now. By the way, rather than helping the planet forward, as they'd like us to believe, Microsoft also slowed technological advance, but they did it for money, not because of a lack of it. They brought up anything that wasn't Microsoft and killed it, thus restricting progress massively, and therefore allowing the public a chance to get somewhere near to understanding what on earth's going on. Microsoft didn't manage to totally gag the BBC Microbes' offspring, though, the Archimedes computer, whose chips snuck through the MS shielding and are now in almost all mobile phones. And Microsoft products too, I expect, but don't quote me on that. I'm also sure that had these two massive blocks not held back competition in science and technology, there would have been even more confusion and social misapprehension or total hatred and fear of all things tech, so thanks for that. Insert sarcastic comment here. But now, at last, it looks as though my 50-year wait for the abandoned projects on my bedroom wall NASA planner poster may actually happen. Some of them already have. Skylab, Hubble and the International Space Station, which was built by the partly reusable space shuttle, and the 50-year-old Soyuz-Russian launch vehicles have all been fantastic. But now we have a challenger. China! And its jade rabbit rovers on the moon's rear side explorations are putting the fear of being second rate into the minds of our sadly reduced us cousins and that has been stirring them up a lot more importantly at least four multi-billionaires have realized their long disappointed ambitions and built their fortunes and built their own spacecraft with them fantastic More power to the lot of them, I say, including the clever lot down in Australia. And now there is Elon Musk. OK, there's also Mr Virgin, Mr Bigelow and Mr Amazon, as well as the resurgent NASA and maybe even Trump's Space Force. Of all that lot, though, it's Elon I love most. Blue Origin's New shepherd is the visual stuff of sci-fi in reality and its plans are to marvel at. But Elon does space stuff and so much more, single-handed with his thousands of stuff. He is addressing all the world's ills that Bill Gates hasn't already targeted. Irony alert! Bill Gates, if you remember, who used to be the boss of Microsoft, is a good guy. How can this be? Wait for another bloggy thing and I'll have a bash at an explanation. Elon delighted me a few nights ago by launching one of his Triton-tested and pre-flown rockets to the International Space Station. He can launch two parts of it yet again later, as both can and already have been used up and down twice already. Brilliant! Less dramatically but more importantly in terms of the future was the water tower he flew that same day. Water tower? Well, it is an actual water tower construction filled with a fuel tank and a single rocket. It flew exactly as expected, 20 metres up and across and down a bit before landing perfectly where it was intended to. The thing is, this is the first time that his spaceship flew. It is intended to be ready to fly between the US and Australia in 45 minutes via a sub-orbital hop, by the way. But its main job is to populate a second home for humanity. Initially on the moon, but then within 10 years, Mars. Who knows what else and how soon. This makes me quiver with expectation and delight. I watched half a season of a really good sci-fi show today, with ten minutes of real coverage of Elon's activities to follow. Reality one hands down. Problem is, all this happened in the UK night time and I saw it live. Now I'm shattered and I really can't think clearly enough to heap praise on Elon sufficiently for this piece, so I shall leave you in it. Peace. Uh, sorry